0: Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter, and today I wanted to kick off our new series on satisfaction. Now in starting this series, I wanted to start by discussing the topic of happiness. And whenever I started writing on this, the first question I asked myself is, are you happy? And uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can make us happy for a little while. But once the newness fades from that, it seems like the happiness fades right along with it. So let's talk a little bit about that. So whenever you look at happiness it's actually something that's um, more and more these days it's something that's being studied. There's there's Harvard studies about it, there's a lot of TED talks about it. Um, We're sort of fascinated with happiness. In fact there's a country um, between India and China, China, uh, it's it's called Bhutan, and they've actually coined this idea of measuring gross national happiness. Um, That instead of basically comparing themselves to other countries based on how much income their um, citizens have, in other words something like GDP. They're looking at how much um, happiness do they have. So definitely regardless, uh, I think what this points out is that regardless of whether you live in the US or you live in Bhutan or wherever you live in the world, whatever culture you're in, whatever whatever subculture, this this root in us is to pursue happiness. We want to um, basically be happy as people. Um, But I think that for all of our searching, sometimes it remains just that. It remains a search. It remains a pursuit. There's nothing that we've really found that really fully satisfies this desire to be happy. So that being said, I don't think that we really can be happy all the time. And to be frank, I don't think that we want to be happy all the time. I think that our our sadder emotions actually have a role to play as well. Like Ecclesiastes 3.4, whenever it says that there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. I think that there's value in those sadder emotions, that there's... You know, a life that's always happy is sort of two-dimensional. That I think that sadness does bring some depth to our lives. Um, And I think that also that sadness can produce in us meaningful change. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7.10 says that godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So sometimes I think that our our darker moments actually produce fertile ground for us to really um, experience meaningful and positive change. Um, but with all of that being said, whenever I look back over my life at all of the times that were sort of the the saddest moments of my life or the, the gloomiest moments of my life, um, I think that there are still a number of examples where I felt a sense of fullness. I didn't feel empty in those moments, that there was maybe some hope in them and maybe still a sense of there, there's some purpose to this, there's something more to this, it's okay. Um, and then if you sort of flip that, whenever I look back at some of the happiest moments of my life, some of the peaks, if you will, um, there are times whenever I was in that moment surrounded by something beautiful. Maybe I was traveling somewhere, um, but still I just felt this sense of, is this as good as it gets? Um, maybe there's more to life. A sense basically where I wasn't really satisfied even though I was happy. So if we can be content in sorrow and empty in happiness, then I think that happiness really only scratches the surface of what we're actually after. I would suggest that perhaps being satisfied is really what we're after. Now, the phrase being content has something of a mixed report. On the one hand, it could be viewed as um, settling and not really striving for what's best. But on the other hand, the Bible actually extols extols contentment as a virtue. Um, First Timothy 6, 6 actually says that um, godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. In other words, contentment is actually what enables us to receive the benefits of godliness. The word for contentment that's used in this verse um, is something that carries the notion of being satisfied and needing nothing more. By contrast, the word for covetousness that's used um, throughout the New Testament really carries this notion of desiring to have more. So basically, if I can put it this way, contentment says that I'm satisfied. I don't need anything else to be happy. Covetousness, though, says that I, I just need something else. I always need something else. And as a result, it's never satisfied. So the tricky thing though about covetousness though is that it doesn't present itself as always needing more, just simply one more thing. So if I can put it another way, I think whenever we covet, we feel like we finally figured out why it is that we aren't happy and what we need to be happy. So if I can give you an example, um, I think for a lot of us before we're married, we oftentimes think, well, once I'm married, once I finally find my soulmate, once I finally find that person who's going to be the companion with me for the rest of my life, then I'll be happy. I just need that, just that one thing. But then of course, once we get married, happiness is just as scarce. And so then we start thinking, well, you know, the problem here is just that my husband or my wife, they just need to start doing this or they need to do a little bit more of that. Um, Or, you know, they need to stop doing that. That's just so frustrating. If they would just stop doing that, then I'd finally be happy. Whenever they make that change, then I'll be happy. So the paradox here, I think, is that whenever we actually pursue happiness as our goal, That is partly what keeps happiness just out of our reach. You see, whenever we think that our happiness is conditional on our circumstances and that we need to change something to be happy, then we're coveting. You see, I think that we all struggle to feel satisfied at times, but how do we approach that struggle? If we approach it by saying that we need to change our circumstances in order to be happy, then it leads to covetousness. If instead we approach it by knowing that we need to change in order to be happy, then I think that it leads to contentment. To say that succinctly, If we're struggling to be satisfied and we think the problem is external then it leads to covetousness if we know instead that the problem is internal then it leads to contentment and we also know that contentment is the only one that carries a promise of satisfaction in the end so having said all this i think that we still have the question though of what will really satisfy us where does satisfaction come from now in short god is the source and the only source of lasting satisfaction See, even the word for contentment is rooted in a notion of self-sufficiency, which I think reveals God's role in the virtue. After all, his name, Yahweh, carries that same notion of self-sufficiency, I am. You see, God is the only one that is truly self-sufficient, truly needing nothing more. Whereas we are reliant on God, even for our very existence. After all, in him, we live and move and have our being. So God is really the only one who is truly self-sufficient, truly content. And as a result, our source for contentment and our source for satisfaction can be found in him alone. Now to put this another way, God made us to be in relationship with him. And whenever that relationship is lacking, we feel a sense of emptiness because we're not connected to that source of satisfaction. Now, idolatry is a sin that I would say is fairly unfamiliar to us and its most direct example of worshiping a wooden statue kind of seems out of place in Western culture. So that can lead us to wonder whether or not that sin is really relevant for us today. But at a fundamental level, idolatry occurs anytime that we allow something to take, the, to take on one of the roles of God, even in a small way. And because God plays so many roles in our lives, the opportunities for idolatry are actually quite extensive. And as we've just discussed, one of God's roles is as the source of our satisfaction. So whenever we look to something else like pleasure or a sense of purpose and meaning or maybe uh, a sense of belonging in relationships as possibly a source for us to feel satisfied, to feel happy, and to feel full, then I think in a small way we're allowing idolatry in our lives. And so what I wanted to do was take the next few weeks and talk about some of these things that we use as a source of our satisfaction even though we don't really realize that perhaps that's what we're doing, and discuss just how, honestly, just how easy it is to slip into that, to allow them to, in some small way, be the source of our satisfaction. And also, I want to talk about how we can find satisfaction and happiness in these things, because these aren't bad things. It's just a matter of putting them in their proper place. If you would like more content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can also find videos of our content on the Loving Theology YouTube channel, Visit us at livingtheology.com to find all of our posts and links to our references. You can also subscribe to our email at our website or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for joining us.